0: Heavenly Father, as we bow before you and bow before your word, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law. We thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that you illuminate our souls and minds so that we can understand. You are the author of the book. You moved holy men of God to write and to record the thoughts of God, the voice of God. And every time we read the book, we have the privilege of having the author make it plain to us. So Spirit of God, do that this morning, that we might worship you in truth. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. About five years ago, when we lived in the Holt area, we had a neighbor who used to put on one of the greatest light displays for Christmas that I had ever seen. This guy covered everything. He covered the house, of course, but he covered the trees in front. He covered the shrubs. I think if his kids would have been outside, he would have covered them too. And and I was afraid that there might be a power outage in Delhi Township when he flipped the switch. There was a glow from his house. Thankfully, we lived a couple streets away, and it didn't keep us awake. But it was amazing. Some of the neighbors thought it was wonderful. Some of the neighbors thought it was atrocious. And why did he do it? I think he just liked to celebrate. I'm sure it wasn't the electrical bill he had to pay that turned him on, but the idea of celebrating with lights. Did you know that there's even a TV show, a reality show now, called, uh, what is it, The Great Christmas Light Fight? They have four families that put on this huge display and judges determine the best one. The winner gets a substantial check. And why do they do it? Well, maybe they like to celebrate, but they probably like being on TV and they like the substantial check. But did you ever think about this? God loves to celebrate with lights as well. And God can really put on a light show. Think of the northern lights, and we have some pictures here, the aurora borealis, uh, amazing lights that are seen in the northern sky. I can remember several years ago, Jim Bowden and I were traveling uh, late in the evening toward Traverse City, and we thought we were getting close to the city, but it wasn't the lights from the city, it was the lights of the uh, wonderful display that God puts on. No one can do a light display like God. Not Disney, in their theme parks. Those are spectacular. When we celebrate a birthday, we light up the cake because we want to celebrate. When we have the birthday of our country, fireworks for the 4th of July. And when God does great and amazing things, he likes to light up the sky. Major Christological events, that is, great occasions in the life of Christ, are often displayed With lights and that's true of the Christmas season in fact I want to mention four lights that are connected with Christmas and the first one pastor Keith uh, read about from Matthew chapter 2 and that is the light of the star if you have your Bibles you can turn to Matthew chapter 2 or simply notice the verse on the screen so here are the wise men they are astronomers Not into astrology, which is not true science, but astronomy, which is. And they were studying the stars, and they were somehow reading the stars, and a star rose in the east. They are themselves way out in the east, and they saw it, or in the west, excuse me, there in the east, star rises in the west and leads them all the way to the place where Christ is born. It's an amazing star. It's a star that not only notifies them that something has happened, in some way they know it's a royal star, it's a star that guides them to a specific location. It's a star that disappears and reappears and leads them right to the house where Jesus is, and by the time they get there, you have to remember that Christ is probably a year old. It's wrong to think of the wise men getting there the night he was born. They can't travel that fast over 500 miles, a long journey. I don't think the star is a constellation. I don't think the star is maybe one unusual bright star that normally is in the sky or some other unusual factor. I think it's a unique star. In fact, here's my best guess. The star is the glory of God. It's the Shekinah glory of God that was once seen in the Old Testament resting over the place where God dwelt the tabernacle. It was predicted in the book of Numbers, chapter 24. Looking forward to the Messiah, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall rise out of Jacob. And so there's something unique about the stars. They give us guidance, and they give us light. When you study the book of Genesis, it is amazing when it talks about how God created everything. And then in one translation, it simply says, oh yeah, and he made the stars too. Like it was almost an afterthought. It wasn't an afterthought, but that's no difficult thing for God. He is displaying his glory, and he is lighting up the sky. When I was a young boy, I enjoyed playing out in the beautiful summer nights of Michigan as late as I could. And we didn't have a bell to ring us home, thankfully. My mom would turn on the light. And when the light was on, I needed to get home. In a sense, the light could lead me home. Now I knew exactly where I lived, probably could get there in the dark, but when the light was on, it was time to get home. And it may be that God is doing the very same thing, turning on his Majestic, supernatural light, not only to tell us it's time to get home, but to show us the way. And that's exactly what the light did to those wise men of long ago. Extremely bright, uniquely fashioned, appearing, then disappearing. Some even argue it could have been Christ himself. But I like the Shekinah glory cloud theory. So that's God's light of a star. There's a second light that we find, and this is in Luke chapter 2, and it is the light of his glory. So here are these very poor shepherds, usually on the outside of everything, never accepted. And they're doing their work watching sheep. Sometimes people argue, well, Christ couldn't have been born in Bethlehem because the shepherds aren't watching their sheep in the wintertime And the only problem with that is there are some sheep being watched in the fields of Bethlehem during the wintertime, and they are the sheep destined to be slaughtered in the temple. Which makes a perfect analogy. I don't know when Christ was born, but don't rule out December. These shepherds, because they're watching sheep, because of their lifestyle, are unfit to go into the temple, but they can watch the sheep that will be used as sacrifices in the temple. How ironic is that? Some people are close to God, but not in. Some people feel like uh, they are outsiders and looked down upon. They are indeed on the lowest rung of the ladder of society. And Christmas for them is usually a time when everyone else celebrates except them. Their poverty makes it difficult, their loss, their ostracism. But I find it amazing that God Almighty reveals to the shepherds the fact that Christ is born. He didn't go to the mighty. The mighty had to come to him. He went to the poor. And think of how many angels must have shown up when the shepherds heard. The Bible simply says while they were watching their flocks out in the fields by night, an angel of the Lord appeared before them and the glory of the Lord was shining around them. So you've got the glory of God on display and then soon the skies are filled with, I think, every angel that existed. We're a little group of shepherds. Talk about a light show. That must have been utterly fantastic. Now how come other people didn't see it? Maybe they did see some of it. I don't know the answers to all of that. All I know is the glory of God lit up the skies. And let these shepherds know that there is hope, that there's a way home, that there's a light in the darkness, that you don't need to be filled with despair, for Christ has come. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which is for everyone, including you. Unto you, shepherds, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The glory of God connected with brightness. There's a third light that is connected with Christmas, and sometimes you may not think of this, but it's God's Son. So you have his star, and you have his glory, and you have his son. Now in John chapter 1, we have a very interesting portion of Scripture that is akin to the book of Genesis. Genesis is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void, darkness on the face of the deep, and then God began to mold creation. So he created it. And we don't know how long it was before he began to mold it, and the scripture talks about him molding it in six days in that unique way that only Genesis can describe. When you get to the Gospel of John, you have something very parallel. It looks like the book of Genesis. For it talks about in the beginning. It talks about before anything was formed. And it talks about the one who formed it. Reading From the New Living Translation, in the beginning the word already existed and the word was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God and he created everything there is. Nothing exists that Jesus didn't make. Life itself was in him and this life gives light to everyone. Jesus lights everyone who comes into the world. The light was shining in the darkness, and the darkness could never extinguish the light. It couldn't overcome it. Verse nine, the one who is the true light gives light to everyone who comes into the world. How does Jesus light everyone? When so many don't know the name of Christ, it has to be something in this image of God created in every human being. It has to be somehow connected with what we might call conscience, which is the light of man, which is flamed by God. And while you can ignore your conscience and you can sear your conscience, everyone has it. And that conscience wakes you up to the reality that this is not all there is. And you are not the supreme being in the world. Just like creation, according to Romans chapter 1, tells everyone about the invisible attributes of God. He must be powerful. He must be amazing and wise. He must be in control of everything to create what he's created. And that's why man tries to deny creation. Because if God the creator exists, you're accountable to him. And that's why you try to hide the light of God because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, so they want to snuff out the light. Christmas without the light of Christmas? Oh, we've got it. People have worked very hard to eliminate Jesus out of Christmas, and they pretty much accomplish it in our human secular society. But every now and again, you'll be in a mall that slips. And they play a Christmas carol from Charles Wesley that has the gospel in it, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You see, the light of the gospel shines in Jesus Christ in a dark place, and you cannot snuff it out. Isaiah Chapter nine, which gives us one of the great messianic prophecies, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, starts out like this. There will be no more gloom in the land of distress. In the past he humbled the places of Zebulun and Naphtali, but in the future he will honor the Galilee of the Gentiles. And then this verse, which is quoted in Matthew, The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow, the land of the shadow of death, a great light has dawned. What is Christmas? It is the great light of God in the person of Jesus Christ shining in the land of the shadow of death. I love Christmas, and I love the opportunity to celebrate Christmas because this is an opportunity for us to tell the world our hope, right? Now it always amazes me that when you study church history, there's a real debate about celebrating Christmas. Yeah, it's true, you can't find a whole lot of celebration about the birth of Jesus Christ, but that was partly cultural. They would not celebrate uh, the the time of someone's birth. And it was about, what, third or fourth century that they began to celebrate Christmas. And unfortunately, they pulled in a lot of uh, secular traditions along with Christian celebrations, and they got mixed in. And that continued on to the place where the Puritans, when they came in the 17th century, outlawed Christmas. Imagine that. You cannot celebrate Christmas because of it being connected with the papacy at that time and because it was connected with Saturnalia, the Roman winter solstice holiday. We will not have you celebrate Christmas, but I love the words of Spurgeon. He said when the town crier would go through an English town and say, today you must work, today you cannot celebrate, you cannot eat figgy pudding, which isn't a bad thing, uh, (laughs) that kind of prohibition. But they said, we outlaw Christmas. There'll be no celebration. Spurgeon said, do you think any Englishman really took heed of that warning? No. Because there's something great about celebrating the one who came to save us. Take the opportunity. Because light shines in Jesus Christ and he is the light of the world. John chapter 3, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. There it is. The light comes to shine, to show the way home. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And his light leads us to the place of safety and leads us to the place of redemption. I'm glad before I knew Christ, I learned Christmas songs that have the gospel of Christ that were helpful in leading me to Christ eventually. So Jesus Christ, the son, is the light. Think about it. At almost every major event in his life, there was light. The transfiguration, the Bible tells us that his countenance was like lightning, or excuse me, that yeah, his his face was shining like the sun, his clothes as white as light. When Jesus was resurrected, there was sitting in the tomb when the women first came, an angel. And the scripture says that this angel, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow so much that it was glowing. Could have been a tux. (laughs) Matthew 24, the second coming of Jesus Christ. As lightning comes from the east and it's visible all the way to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And when the city of eternity, the new Jerusalem comes down, we're told that there's no need for the sun or the moon to shine because the glory of God gives the light and the Lamb of God is the Lamb. There's something about God celebrating these major events in the life of Christ with a wonderful light display. But there's one more, and this might be a little shocking to you. There's another light of Christmas, and it's the children of God. The children of God. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world, right? What does Matthew chapter 5 say? You are the light of the world. Is that a contradiction in Holy Writ? Did he forget what he said in one gospel by saying something else in another? Absolutely not. You've got this wonderful understanding, this doctrine that tells us Christ is light and those who come to him must walk in the light as he is in the light. You can't continue to walk in the darkness. When you believe upon Christ, you come out of the darkness and into the light. And when you are in the light, you become a child of the light. Ephesians chapter 5. And now you are to walk in the light and let your light so shine that others see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. Where is Jesus? It's at the right hand of the Father, exalted and praying for you. Where is Jesus? He's in the heart of everyone who believes. Where is Jesus in this world? He sheds his light through you. Therefore, if you snuff out your light, your neighbors don't hear the gospel. If you don't let your light shine, the world is lost. And one of the most important lights of Christmas is simply a believer realizing that you don't hide your lamp under a bushel. You let men see it. Let your good works be on display. That's what light is, righteous deeds that shine in a dark world of selfishness and greed and materialism. Frankly, if we live like the rest of the world lives, as if we didn't know Christ, We have no light, and there's no magnetism, there's no attraction. So the Father gives light to the Son, and the Son gives light to his children, and the children give light to the world. So these are the lights of Christmas, a star, the glory of God, the Son of God, and you, the children of God. And let your lights shine. <laughs> some, lights have, some houses have no lights at all at Christmas. Some have pitiful lights. You ever drive by and say, well, that, that was a pretty poor attempt. <laughs> some have gaudy lights. But all of them seem to attract us. Because lights tell us there's a way home. James Lovell, the famous astronaut of Apollo 13 fame, was a fighter pilot pilot in World War II. He was flying a Banshee plane over the sea, just off the coast of Japan. It was during... War in combat conditions, so there were no lights on. The carrier that he was supposed to land on had no lights. And as he was flying around, his radar was jammed and his homing signal was gone because someone on the land of Japan was using the same signal and it was actually leading him away from the carrier that he was supposed to land on. So no uh, radar to take him home, no honing signal... He looked down at the ocean and it was as black as could be. So he flips on his map light and zap, there's a shortage. And now every light in his plane is gone. He can't read his instruments. He can't see the ocean. He doesn't know his altitude. And he's got to land on an aircraft carrier. Oh, yeah. And he's almost out of fuel. So he decides that he'll probably have to ditch his plane into the sea, and he begins to look for a place, and he notices a green trail in the ocean. It's the algae that had been turned up by the propeller of the carrier he's supposed to land on. And because everything is dark, that glow of green is like a path home. And he flies down and lands safely on the carrier. And he said this, had my lights in the cockpit not gone out, I never would have been able to see the light on the way home. Maybe the troubles in your life are to show you how dark this world is so you can see the light of Christ. This Christmas, that is the way home. Jesus is the light of the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so easy for us to get caught up in this world that we forget to see the beautiful lights. Maybe so busy with the Christmas season that we forget to enjoy the displays. Lord, I pray that we will see the lights of Christmas and may they draw us to the Savior. And Lord, those of us who are believers, may our light so shine that others might see his. May our good works draw people to the Savior. May our lives adorn the gospel in a positive and in an attractive way. But may we not miss the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world as a baby to be our Savior, To die for our sins to give us righteousness that we could never create on our own and to give us life that would never end fill our hearts with your light and your life in your name we pray